Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I knew something was wrong, and I got fear in my heart like I'd never had before because life was all good, right? My mom had been missing for a while. Where's mom? Where's mom? She's sick. When's she coming home? Why can't I go see her? But that night, I knew something was wrong. My sister knew right away. She got up. She began to sob out loud. And she let out a scream, and she ran to her room, and she slammed the door. And the ladies from our church, they went in to try and help her. And that really scared me. That put me almost into a panic. I remember my dad came over, and he crouched down to where I was, and he said, Jason, Mom's in heaven now. And I was trying to comprehend what that meant. And I said, Mom died? And he just kept saying, Mom's in heaven now. And I was kind of like, man, you know, in my mind as a kid, I was like I wanted him to just say it. Mom's in heaven now. You know, we've talked about it in church, Jason, how a person can go to heaven who believes in Jesus, and that's where Mom's at. You know Mom believed in Jesus. And I said, so Mom died. And he finally said, yes, Mom died, but she's in heaven now. She's with Jesus. I didn't know what to feel. Like, I had never had anyone die. I had never had anything die. Not a fish, not a dog, not anything. I didn't know whether to feel confused, sad, what to do. These people are looking at me. They got tears in their eyes as my dad's talking to me. My sister's sobbing uncontrollably. I'm scared. I remember waking up the next morning. I always woke up early. Things were different in the house. They had been different for a while since my mom was gone. There was a cold feeling. There was a sad feeling in the house. And that's not how it felt when mom was there, ever. And I remember I came out of my bedroom, and I heard something. And I looked down the hall, and my dad couldn't see me, but I could see him in this rocking chair that we had down the hall in the living room. And I peeked, and I looked at him, and it was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. He was rocking in the rocking chair, and he was just sobbing. Tears were coming down his eyes, and he was trying to be quiet. He was just so devastated with the death of his wife. Well, that scared me even more. He wouldn't have done that if he'd known I was up. It freaked me out. All the joy, all the life had been sucked out of our home. I even remember that first Christmas, my dad and my sister trying to make it good for me trying to put out gifts, but it was not the same. You could feel it. My dad made a horrible mistake just a few months later. There was this woman that he began to really like at a restaurant. She was a waitress, and they were friends, and I think my dad just felt this pressure like, you know, my son and my daughter, they need a mom. This lady had just come off of a divorce. She needs a husband. Her kids need a dad, and he wasn't thinking right. He didn't take time to get to know this lady at all. So my dad jumps into a marriage with her just a few months later. And this is what I'm told. And some of you have been told this. And it was unfair. I didn't like it. I didn't have a choice. It was, this is your new mom, and these are your new brothers, and this is your new sister. And I told my dad, I'm like, I have a mom. My mom died. I have two brothers, Mark and Mike. They're my brothers. 
And I have a sister, Molly, and she's over there. But he says, no, these are your new brothers. This is your new sister. This is your new mom. This is your family. I didn't want any of it. I didn't want this life, but I didn't have a choice. I didn't want to call her mom, but I had to call her mom. She seemed okay at first. I even tried to love her. I even tried to give her a kiss goodnight before I went to bed. She didn't come tuck me in. That was over. But within a month to a month and a half, who she really was began to come out. She was a very disturbed woman. She had many deep, deep issues. There were horrible arguments at first. I never heard arguments like this. Now, my mom and my dad, I'm sure they had disagreements, but they didn't argue like this. These arguments got violent. I remember plates and glasses being thrown across the kitchen. This is when the anxiety attacks began in my life. Six years old, just shaking, scared, scared of her. What would she do to me? I heard every cuss word there is from her. I didn't know them. My dad and my real mom, they didn't, they didn't cuss in our house. They tried to keep that out. But I learned them all. I began being bullied by my older stepbrothers. They were mean to me. They would physically hurt me. They thought it was funny. And then... My stepmother began to hurt me. The first time was when I had got hurt outside. I think I may have been stung by a bee or something like that, and I ran in crying, and I actually tried to call her mom again. And I know what my mom would have done, and I'm trying to show her. And she was in the middle of one of the psycho arguments with my dad, but I didn't know it. And she literally grabbed me and threw me to the ground. My dad did nothing because I believe he was scared of her. A few weeks after that, they got in another bad argument, and this time it was really scary. I ran into my sister, and I said, she's got a gun. She's got dad's gun. My dad had a permit to carry a 38 revolver. He was allowed by the state of Maryland, and he had it in a certain place in his bedroom. We knew not to go there. That was dad's gun. She took it out. She ran outside where my dad was at at the swimming pool, and she said, you will listen to me now, and she pointed the gun at him. My sister and I are freaking out. My sister's grabbing the phone to call 911. Her kids begin to argue with my sister. Don't call. That's our mom. No, 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 no. And my, my sister's like, she's going to kill our dad. She's got a gun. And then we heard the shot go off. Man, I, I just lost it. I didn't know what happened. Well, the cops were on their way. She fired a shot right in front of him into the ground to get his attention. She said, you will listen to me now, whatever he wasn't listening about. The cops came. They took her away. My dad didn't press any charges, went right down to the police station, let her out, and let her come right back home that night. My dad sent me over to my older brother Mike's house. He said, Jason, you need to stay at his house just for tonight. I said, that's fine. I don't want to be here. A 
a guy from the church came over, one of those deacon guys. That's what they call them in these, these churches. I guess they're leaders, you know what I'm saying? A deacon guy came over. And they were trying to work through things with my dad and my stepmom. And my stepmom got mad, and she went into the kitchen. And she grabbed the knife, and she came at my dad, and they took the knife from her. My dad still pressed no charges and still continued to let her live there. This is your new mom. This was home. I was a mess. My sister eventually moved out. She literally got in fistfights with my stepmother, and she had enough. My dad just basically said, good riddance. I don't know what he was thinking. That's your daughter. I don't know who this lady is, but she's sure not what you thought she was going to be. It was all about her kids. That's all she cared about, herself and her kids. There was favoritism like, crazy, you guys. Stuff my dad didn't even know about, and I wasn't going to tell him because I was scared of her, what she would do. Even when it came to school shopping, her kids went to the mall, they went to the designer stores, and when it was time for me to do school shopping, she took me to Kmart, which is the equivalent of like Walmart today. Hey, man, if you got to shop at Walmart, you got to shop at Walmart. I buy a couple t-shirts from Walmart every now and then, but what's not right, I'm not saying it's horrible to shop at Walmart or to wear a clothes from Walmart. What is horrible is the fact that her kids got one thing and I got something else. She wanted me out just like she wanted my sister out. I was no longer allowed to see my sister. I was no longer allowed to see my two older brothers. They were not allowed to come around. My older brother Mark tried to visit me at my school. I went to a private school at the time and the principal came and he says, your dad has said if you come here, we're to call the police. My older brother was a little bit crazy, you know, like not, not really crazy, but he just, he didn't care. He was a big bodybuilder, power lifter, and he was like, well, you better call the police because I'm going to see my little brother today. And he said, man, don't do this. And he went to touch my brother, and my brother said, man, you don't want to do that. He said, where's my, where's my brother? Where's first grade? My brother Mark was always trying to reach out to get to me, to find me. They knew things were bad, but my dad permitted it, didn't, didn't permit it. My stepmom began abusing me. I would do something wrong, and instead of just restriction or instead of just like a little spanking on the butt, I had to take my pants down, and she would take a stick, a switch, and she would take it up and down my legs, and she would leave marks across my legs. And I'd wear pants. I didn't want anybody to see it. I didn't want my dad to see it. I didn't want anything. But I knew something wasn't right about that. You're not supposed to leave a mark on a kid. I remember one time I said something back to her. I didn't even say it smart, and she just hauled off and hit me right across the face. I remember my dad watched her do that, and I watched him sit there. And she said, oh, you will not talk to me like that. You will not lie to me. He did nothing. That's when I knew my dad didn't have my back. That's when I knew my dad was a wuss, and I thought he was my hero. Completely let me down. I remember getting hit in the face a couple more times. I remember my anger for her grew to the point that I wanted to kill her. I wanted her dead. I began to think of ways how I could do that. I began to think, man, if I get caught, her kids are going to kill me. But the fact that I'm in fifth... In sixth grade, entertaining these kind of thoughts is unbelievable. 
Like, I'm not just saying that. Like, I wanted her dead. How could I do this and get away with it? I hate her. One of her sons got mad at me one time, and I remember he jumped completely across the living room, jumped over a coffee table, and he began with both hands just to choke me, take the breath right out of me. Thankfully, my other stepbrother intervened, was like, man, you can't do that, and he took him off of me. But that one that peeled him off of me, when I was about seven or eight years old, he began sexually abusing me. Seven or eight years old. Began messing with me, doing things to me, showing me things I should never see, telling me to do things that I really didn't want to do. I didn't tell anybody. I was too embarrassed. Made me think thoughts that I didn't want to think. He did this to me. He made me do this. Does that mean I'm gay? Am I gay because I did that? I don't think I'm gay. I like girls. What, what? All this confusion. My two stepbrothers and even my father started bringing something into the house that I found. Because I was curious. I looked around a lot. It's called pornography. This is before the internet. This is before mobile phones, smartphones. It was videos that you put in a thing called a VCR. I know you don't understand what that is, probably. Magazines. I would find them. I would begin looking at them. And let me tell you something. It began to create an addiction, or maybe I should call it it began to create a prison. I began to become a captive. This thing that would take me into a fantasy world and make me feel good for a while, I could escape. And we now know scientifically that when a guy looks at pornography, it releases chemicals in his brain like dopamine and serotonin, epipenephrine. The pleasure chemicals are released. The calming chemicals are released. All sorts of stuff is going on. That's why guys get addicted to pornography. I tried to quit. I tried to stop. I knew it was wrong. No one had to tell me. I knew how I felt after I watched it. I felt dirty. I knew I tried to hide it. I tried to keep it secret. Nobody told me to keep it secret. I just knew I had to keep it secret. I wasn't even in middle school. By fifth grade, I was completely addicted to pornography and watching it almost every single day. And if I didn't watch it, it's because I didn't have the chance. This was the home I lived in. Pornography began to twist the way that I looked at females. I couldn't interact with girls at school the way I used to. I became very perverted. I could no longer have girls as friends. It twisted my mind. That's what it does. You begin to think things that you shouldn't be thinking. I thought it was funny even to walk up to certain girls and smack them in the butt in school. I would get a laugh from my friends. They're like, you're crazy, dude, that you did that. I'm a dad now, and I have two daughters. If any guy did that to my two daughters, it's a bad day for him. My daughter, oldest daughter, is 20 years old, and she's a waitress at a place called Catch-22 in Calvert County, a really nice seafood restaurant. She was working 
out where the bar section is, a lot of guys, I could tell they were drinking, and I just looked at her and I said, hey, Autumn, I was like, have any guys tried to, like, grab your butt or anything? And she just looks at me like, Dad, oh, my gosh, like, customers are right there. She's like, no. I said, are you telling me the truth? She's like, no. My wife's like, stop. I'm like, if, if they did, you would tell me. She's like, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, because I'll mess them up. See, I didn't think that way. I began to look at females as just an object. By middle school, man, I'm so full of anger. I'm fighting. I'm getting in fights at school. I'm just doing it for the fun of it. I would just pick certain kids and say, we're going to fight 4 o'clock after school at the park. Word would spread around school, and if you didn't do it, everybody would say, man, you're a coward. Just fight the fight. I was getting suspended from school multiple times. I began going into stores with my friends and stealing I began vandalizing home and property, sneaking out at night. I had the cops at my house. They knew that it was me, but they couldn't prove it. I kept lying about it. Oh, I was a great liar. I mastered the art of lying, manipulation, being a con artist. I started skipping school as much as possible. I'd get reports sent home, and I would forge and sign them and turn them back in. I began listening to violent, perverted, and dark music on a consistent basis, and it began warping my mind even more. I began having very dark nightmares. I began with friends to even mess with some things in the occult, getting curious. The arguments at home, they began to get worse and worse, and I began to contemplate how I was going to run away with a friend. We began planning it out. Or I began to contemplate how I was going to do something to my stepmom. Or one time I began to contemplate how I was going to take my own life. I mean, I didn't just think the thought when nobody was home. I went in my dad's drawer and I found his 357 that was fully loaded. He kept it loaded in case someone broke in. And I remember holding it and pointing it at myself and thinking, do I want to do this? Is this the way to make it all better? That was sixth grade. I started drinking with friends. I didn't even like the taste of beer. But it was cool, right? So I'm drinking. One friend gives me a full glass of peach schnapps, a full glass. And I drunk it like it was iced tea. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that with a full glass. I got sick as a dog. My young life was chaos, you guys. I was going down fast. I was getting worse and worse. I was going to snap on somebody or I was going to snap on myself. You look at some of these kids that come on the news, and you go, man, what happened to that kid? What made that kid do that? I was going to be that kid, I am convinced. There are some other things that I did that I won't tell you. I've only talked to my wife about it. They're just that twisted, that scary. I would have done something. I was going to snap. But God had a plan for my life. God had a plan for my pain. God had a plan for my chaos. Just like God has a plan for your life, for your pain, and for your chaos. But I didn't know this at the time. All of a sudden, right at the right time, no coincidence, right at the right time, seventh grade, when my friends started no longer to hang out with me because my stepmom wouldn't buy me any cool clothes or cool shoes, I started losing friends, and you're probably like, well, that shows they weren't really your friends to begin with. You know how it is in middle school, man. 
You're just trying to fit in, man, and clothes help you do that. Adam's saying it's right. I don't like the system. I wish it was different. I was alone, man, right at the right time. No coincidence. I got pulled out of that home. I got completely taken out of that home. My stepmom was threatening to send me to Boys Village, a juvenile detention center. That's how bad I was getting. She didn't even want to handle me anymore. But right at the right time, I got pulled out. I'm going to tell you more about that tomorrow. In the beginning, when God created the universe and when he created Adam and Eve, it wasn't just all good. It was perfect. They had everything, you guys. Everything was perfect. Perfect bodies, perfect environment, perfect relationship with one another, perfect relationship with God. There's no such thing as death. They're going to live forever. This is the way life is meant to be. This is God saying, I made you. I want you. But God gave them one clear command. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says, The Lord God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. They have one command. Could you imagine? There's a tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat from that tree. The day you eat from that tree, you are going to die. And then what happens? You move into Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent or the snake was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the snake or the serpent, we can eat of all the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. You surely will not die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave of me the fruit and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent. The snake deceived me, and I ate. This is crazy, man. This is a significant part of the story that you need to understand that will help you understand what's wrong in this world and what's, what has happened in your life, why things have not gone the way you want them to go in your life, or why things are not going to go the way you want them to go in life. Maybe you've had a great life so far. Honey, I promise you, you are going to meet pain and chaos in this world. A promise. Welcome to the planet. 
they go to the tree. There's a snake at the tree. I don't understand this, but I know that the scripture teaches this. The snake is possessed by the enemy. His name is the devil or Satan. I don't have time to get into where he came from tonight. Maybe we could talk more about that tomorrow. But he's inside this snake. He's talking to Eve, and he says, what did God say about this? We're not supposed to eat of it or we're going to die. The snake says back to her, the devil, you're not going to die. God's lying. God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to eat this because the day you eat it, you're going to become like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat it. So she looks at it and she realizes this tree, this fruit looks good to eat. We haven't had this one, and it's going to make us like God. And before, guys, you get mad at Eve and blame the woman, Adam's standing there the whole time. It says she took it, ate it, and gave it to her husband who was right there with her. So what is Adam doing? He's doing what most males do today. He's passive. He does not protect her. He doesn't stand up for what's right. He's not manly in that moment. He should have grabbed that snake and been like, let me tell you something. First of all, I don't even know how you're talking. (laughs) Second of all, that's my woman. That's my wife. And also, let me tell you something. You will come down here and tell me that my heavenly father is lying to me when everything I got here he gave to me? He's never done anything bad to me. <laughs> Think you He didn't do that. He goes, okay. He's passive. He's passive in the face of evil. And real men and real women don't do that. We take a stand against it. I'm not talking about an arrogant, let's put people down that are sinners. I'm talking about when a kid's getting bullied or something like that. We stand up. We don't film it to put it on YouTube. Do something. Hey, man, you don't talk to her like that. You don't talk to her like that. Or you're not going to talk to her like that while I'm here. That's my sister. That's my mom. You beat the crap out of me, but I promise you, you will leave with something wrong with you. I'll kick, I'll hit, I'll bite. Something will be hurt or missing from you. You you will not. I see more girls that got that in them sometimes than guys. Freaking Katniss. Let me wrap up, guys, real quick. What did Adam and Eve's sin, them disobeying God, do? Five things. I'll talk more about this tomorrow. I'm going to go through them really quick, and then we're going to pray, okay? We're all done. You guys have been awesome. Number one, it caused separation from God. No longer would they have this great relationship with God. It separated them from God. Isaiah 59.2, your sin, your iniquities have caused a separation between you and your God. Guess what? When you came into this world, you didn't come into this world with God as your heavenly father. You didn't come into this world with a relationship with God. You came into this world separated from God. Why is River Valley Ranch here? Why does this camp exist? To help you get back with God. That's the bottom line mission. Period. I've been coming here 20 years watching students get reconnected with God. When the camp decides they no longer are about that, I will no longer speak here. You find somebody else. Number two, 
The sin of Adam and Eve created what's called a sin nature inside of our human hearts. What that means is nobody's got to teach you how to sin. Nobody taught you how to lie, cheat, steal, be selfish. Nobody taught you that. You're natural at it. You're a pro at it. Your parents tried to teach you manners and to be nice, to do the right thing. You got sin down. So do I. It's in our hearts. I'm not saying everything about you is evil. I'm not saying you sacrifice like goats to Satan or anything like that. I'm just saying, man, we got sinful hearts. We're manipulative. We're self-centered. Number three, it created conflict with each other. What's wrong with the world today? Why is there so many arguments, fights, and wars? The book of James says why. It comes from your sinful desires within you. It comes from, it's about me, mine, my way. You didn't do it my way. And we fight, we argue, we hurt, and we go to war. It's been happening all throughout human history ever since Genesis 3 happened with Adam and Eve. Number four, it makes us captives and prisoners to it. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. But you can't get out of sin. You can't get out of these certain addictions, like with me, pornography. I couldn't make myself stop. It had me. Number five, last one, it leads to death. Sin leads to death. Newsflash, you're going to die. You're going to die one day. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. You're going to die. You were never meant to die. But the scariest thing is not physical death. The scariest thing is what the Bible says is the second death or spiritual death. It's talked about in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where it says the people who do not place their faith in Jesus Christ, who do not receive God's free gift, he says they will have second death. They will be separated from me forever and ever in a place of torment. And I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. You don't have to go there. God has a plan to rescue you, to save you. And we're going to talk more about him because he's a person for the rest of this week. His name is Jesus Christ. That's why God sent him. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for helping me get through this tonight. You know, I wasn't feeling the best with my headaches and junk like that. Thank you for helping the students and counselors to really tune in. God, work, work in our hearts. God, please, work in our hearts. Show us that you're real. Show us that you love us. Show us that you have a plan for our life and what that plan is. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.